It's awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. And I, hey, I want to say a big welcome to everybody watching online. We're excited that you join us and uh, excited as that audience just grows. We have people in our church every couple of months that say, you know what, we started the South Point because we've been testing you guys out online and uh, watching you. So we love that. We love that when it happens. We're in the middle of a series called Crazy, uh, like this series. Anything that's a little abnormal, a little different, we like it at South Point, right? That's how come we're all here, because we're a little different, a little abnormal, right? Look at your neighbors, he's talking about you. So today we're going to jump into the second week of crazy. Last week we talked about what it meant to be a crazy Christian. Not the way the world sees crazy, but really living according to what the Bible says. If you live according to what Jesus said Christianity is, it's pretty crazy. Um, especially goes against all uh, social norms, cultural norms, and it can be seen sometimes as a little weird. So today we're going to talk about maybe the guy that started it all. How about that? Today we're going to talk about crazy Jesus. If you have your orange bulletin, there's some notes in there. You can follow along with us if you want. It's also on version. Uh, it already has the points filled in for you on version. Most of the time, sometimes they forget, but most of the time it's there. Um, so we'd love to have you watch it with us and uh, follow along, learn some stuff today. Because today we're going to talk about uh, a very important topic. It's important for everybody in the room. We're going to talk about who Jesus is really is. A few years ago when, uh, I don't know if, you were, if you're an Oprah watcher at all, I know she's not on anymore, but she used to do this Sunday Soul show, and uh, I don't think I ever watched it but once, but she had on the Hillsong New York City pastor Carl Lentz, and they introduced each other and talked, and tell me about your family, tell me about your church, and then she said, okay, let's get down to business. Here's what I really brought you here for. Here's what I really want to ask you. Are you ready for this? And you watch this online. She said, who is Jesus? Like here, this lady that's traveled the world, that's talked to religious leaders all over the world, she has this very influential pastor on, and she doesn't want to talk about what cool music they have or cool outreaches they're doing in New York City or how they're growing and people are waiting in line for hours just to get into the church. None of that. You know what she's wanting to know? Who is Jesus? You tell me. You, you, you're learned. You, you've studied that. You've experienced this. I want to know who Jesus is. And so today we're going to talk about who you think, who you believe, and who some other people believe that Jesus is. I wrote down a couple of things like, for example, the Muslim faith. They believe that Jesus is second to Muhammad. Second place isn't bad, right? right? Y'all with me today? Y'all helping out? All right. I'll preach for like four hours if you don't help out. You've know, you got to participate a little bit. Um, those that are Orthodox Jews in Judaism... They believe Jesus flat out is a false prophet. You, you, can't, you can't follow Jesus at all. He's a false prophet. Some other ones, Buddhism teaches that he's an enlightened man. Hinduism suggests that he's a holy man, kind of like a saint. And I actually have some family members that are in the New Age movement, and they call him a great moral teacher. So, so when, you, when somebody asks you, if you're sitting across from Oprah, if you're sitting across from your uncle or your boss or a, a fellow employee, and they say, can you tell me something? And you go, sure. No, don't tell them what you're thinking they're going to ask. Can you tell me who Jesus is? What do you say? What do you say? Well, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work us through a few choices. I'm going to work us through what I think are like the top three choices that people uh, come to and ask, is this Jesus? And the first one is this. Are you ready? It's in your notes. The first one is, was he a con man? Y'all know what a con man is, right? That's somebody who tricks people into getting what they want, right? That's a con man. 
Have you ever asked yourself the question, is Jesus a con man? I think it's important that we, that we resolve some things that he's not. Is Jesus a con man? Well, you know, I don't know that you would put this guy in, a, in the con man um, bucket, but let me show you a picture of this guy on the screen. Does anybody know who this is? Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, it's David Blaine. He's, a, he's an illusionist, a magician. He kind of pushes the limits on uh, the way he does things. Well, about, I don't know if y'all remember, 10 or 12, this shows how old I am, 15 years ago, when he came out with his first TV special, and it was on the street, David Blaine on the street. So he's just walking down there like the street of New York or Cincinnati, wherever it was, and he's just doing random tricks with people. He'd go up to a crowd standing on the corner, and he does a trick, and people are just blown away. And I remember one of them. He, he went up to this crowd. There's about 15 or 20 people there. He went up to this crowd, and um, he asked one of the ladies, one of the ladies that were standing there, and he said, can I, can I see your wedding ring? She was like, no, you can't see my wedding ring. And he goes, I, I promise you'll get it back. I just want to show you a trick. He's like, okay. So people are starting to gather around. There's like 20 or 30 people now. He takes the ring, and he said, so if, what if this ring were to disappear? And he drops it out of his hand, and it goes in the gutter in the street. And I mean, he was fixing to get beat up right here on live TV. He was, he's doing this live in front of everybody. And he goes, no, hold on, hold on. And th she's screaming. I mean, very emotional, very real looking. They're screaming. Her husband's upset. The kids are starting to cry. You're like, what's going on? This is a failure. This is a bad show. And he goes, hold on, hold on. And he kind of goes along the wall of the alley and he starts pushing. He goes, it's somewhere over in here. And he's knocking trash out of the way. And he finds this old glass bottle. And he goes, look at this. And he wiggles the bottle, and the ring is inside the bottle. And he turns it upside down, and he's, it won't even come out. It won't even fit. And I'm just, I was just watching you. You dropped it in the gutter. And he broke the bottle and gave it to the lady and said, is this your wedding ring? And she's, everybody, the whole audience, you know, everybody in the streets freaking out. And that was her wedding ring. Like, how, how? I don't know. And the next morning, he did that for like an hour, just walking the street with one camera behind him. And the next morning, I remember a guy on the radio. I was listening to this sports radio station, and he said, all right, did y'all see the David Blaine show last night? And he goes, I've got one thing to say about that. He is either the greatest magician that's ever lived, or he's the devil, because that's how good he is. Well, it went on for a couple of years. Everybody was freaking out. Even other magicians were freaking out. Like, how does he do this stuff? Like, is he, you know, has he sold his soul to the devil? Like, what's going on? Until somebody broke it. Somebody finally squealed. All the people that were standing on the street with him, they were all paid. The lady with the ring, it was all paid. The prop, it was a fake ring he dropped, and they already had the other one in the alley that a guy dropped. Like, all of his stuff was because he hired and planted people to do all that in audiences when he went to, to places and all that. And I just remember hearing that going, well, part of me thinks I'm very excited he's not the devil, and the other part of me is super upset that he conned me, you know? But I was watching this illusionist. Have you, have you ever been, like, sucked in by a con by somebody that, that said, man, if you'll do this, I promise this will happen. I want to ask you, does Jesus fit into that con man liar category? It's quiet in here today because he's just some rough, rough things to talk about. I, I don't think he does, but ask yourself, was he lying when he said, I'm the son of God? Was he lying when, in, in John chapter 2, I have this in your notes. Was he lying when he said, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days? Because that could seem... Like a, like a stretch. 
But here's something that I keep coming back to. When I say, is Jesus a liar? Was he lying about all the stuff that he did? What I keep asking myself for is, I know people that have followed people that they know are lying. I, I, I know that. So to say, well, Jesus had thousands of followers, that's, that's not a big deal. But I don't know anybody that has given their life and their family's lives for a lie. And I know that everyone but one, all 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred for their faith. And hundreds immediately and thousands for the next couple of thousand years, believers have been killed for what they put their faith in, in Jesus Christ. So when you talk about Jesus lied, like... I don't, I don't think he's a liar because I don't know people that will die for a lie. Like, you, you know, hey, we're going to arrest y'all if y'all don't quit preaching that. Oh, that's cool. That could be fun, right? We'll all go to jail together. I mean, well, I've seen people that do that, you know, protesting. Let's all go to jail together. And if you don't quit preaching that, we're going to kill you and your families. No, I'm done. It's a lie, dude. We were just pretending, all right? I'm going to Johnny's. We're going to have a burger later. That's how that rolls, right? It doesn't say, yeah, I'm willing to die for this because it's a lie. I, I don't believe Jesus was a con man. But if... If he wasn't a con man, the next question that I run to, was he crazy? Think about that. Was he just nuts? Y'all ever heard a preacher say this before, <laughs> ask you that question? What, was Jesus crazy? Because when you look at some of the stuff that he said, last week, Pastor Michael, Pastor Michael um, encouraged us, challenged us at the end of the message. He said, I want you to read this week, I want you to read the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason is because that was one of the craziest passages of Scripture ever. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if your eye bothers you, causes you to sin, just gouge it out. That's good biblical advice right there. If uh, people hate you, you should love them. Didn't get an amen on that, but that's all right. If, uh, if, if your hand causes you to sin, cut your hand off. Because it's really better to go to heaven with part of your body than to lose it all to hell. That kind of, that's a little bit crazy. I don't even care who you are. If you radical Christian, that's a little bit crazy right there. And, and Jesus said lots of stuff like that. How about you love those who are your enemies? And you pray for those who are persecuted. And he starts that, that, that passage right there with, you've heard that it is told that it's an eye for an eye. So when somebody hurt you, cost you an eye, you get to take their eye. They cost you 100 bucks, you get to sue them for 100 bucks. And Jesus said, but I tell you, Love those who hate you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that's why the religious people of the time thought that Jesus was crazy. They thought that he was nuts. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, I want you to read this with me. They couldn't find the words for it. And this is how they described the religious intelligent, the, the, the studiers of the law, the guys that, because in the, in the Hebrew system, it wasn't just a religious thing. It was how their entire culture was laid out. It was how their courts were laid out, their laws were laid out. If you went to jail, it was because you transgressed God's word, not some judge's rule. Does that make sense? It was, it was a super serious thing. So when they, when they talk about the, the law, it was everything to them. And he said, the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem, so they brought down the big wigs, the bosses from the national office, you know. He, they said this about Jesus. He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Like They, they came to the conclusion, all right, we've studied this guy. We've seen what he said and what he's done. And here's our conclusion. He's demon-possessed. So it's important, isn't it? When we think about it, is, is Jesus a con man? Is he crazy? 
Like there are some things that would lend to that. But listen to what C.S. Lewis wrote this book a few hundred years ago, or 150 years ago, however long it was. It's called Mere Christianity. It's one of the single greatest books on the planet. It would be in my top 20 of all books ever. You should read Mere Christianity. It's a little book. It's a little weird in the beginning, but it ends up, the last three quarters of it, it's one of the most amazing reads ever. And this is what he said about Jesus being crazy, all right? He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. Was Jesus such a person? The closer one looks at the life of Jesus, the more difficult it is to find abnormality and imbalance as found in deranged persons. And here's one of the greatest passages in the entire book. Listen to this. Here we find meekness without weakness, holiness without hypocrisy, power without pride and arrogance, suffering without self-pity, success without self-seeking, love that knows no limit, even in the face of death. If Jesus were crazy, then I would to God that the whole world would be affected with his kind of insanity. Amen? Like, if, if Jesus was nuts, then he was the greatest crazy person ever. Because he left us with the greatest collection of moral teachings that the world has ever known. And on top of that, he lived it out perfectly. Here's my conclusion, all right? And I know you are with me on this because we're all in church. I'm not doing this like in front of a stadium of a bunch of non-believers. But I don't believe Jesus was a con man. It doesn't line up. The evidence is not there. I don't, I don't believe that he was... A, a crazy person. I don't believe that he was nuts. But if that's not the case, then was he actually the Christ? Was he actually the Christ? The, the Greek word Christ is translated from the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one. That, there's only one. Y'all didn't see it says the anointed group. It's the anointed one. It's the one that came from Jesus, or came from God, as his son, to be the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. When we get to that place that Jesus was not a con man, he wasn't crazy, but he could possibly be the Christ. I, I want to walk you through some of a little bit of the evidence. I would love to take about three weeks and just talk about this, but I want to walk us through a little bit of why I believe Jesus is the Christ. He claimed all of this stuff. He claimed to be the Son of God, the Good Shepherd, the Prince of Peace, he, and people would ask him, are, are you the Lamb of God? Are you the Messiah? And he would say, it is as you said. It's just that way. But yet when Jesus prayed, in Matthew 26, you see this. He said, yet, not as I will, but as you will. But for me, if, you, if you're dealing with a, a con, con man, it's not your will, Father, right? If you're dealing with a crazy person, it's not your will, Father. It's not, oh, I'm, I'm very balanced, I understand who I am, and I'm also crazy. Jesus understood who he was from God and his place beneath God. He knew that God was calling the shots, his father in heaven. And so whatever he was going through. Now listen, how does this, how does this transpose to us? He knew where he was at. He knew that he was divine, created by God. But he also knew that he was in a temporary body that struggled with that spiritualness, right? And so the way that, the way that he kept it all in check, not my will, but your will be done in my life, Lord. It's one of my favorites. Not my will at my job, Lord, but your will. Can you lead me? Can you help me make decisions in my career, Lord? Upright and what's best, what's honest, what's helpful. 
How about in my relationships, Lord? I know what I want. My heart's pulled this way or my feelings are pulled this way, but not my will. Your will be done, Lord. I, I know the way I want to act with my friends or family, whatever situation it is. But Lord, here's my prayer. This is what keeps me sane. This is what keeps me centered or balanced or whatever new word we come up with. Not my will. Your will be done. Amen? That's step one of why I don't think Jesus is a con man or he's crazy. I think he's the Christ. And I also think that Jesus would need a lot of help if, if he was a con man or if he was crazy. I don't think, and what I mean by that is I don't think Jesus was enough to invent Jesus. Does that make sense? Because Jesus is actually talked about from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. So over 66 books, over 2,500 years, Jesus is talked about by more than 40 authors who didn't all know each other, who didn't speak the same languages, didn't grow up in the same culture, or even in the same countries. Just a coincidence though, right? Don't you love it? Don't you love it when it just piles on? I just love it when it piles on. He would need a lot of help from people. And, and it's not just the Bible we're talking about, but we're talking about the, the witnesses of the people that walked with Jesus. Like, people can say whatever they want when they write it on social media or talk about it on the news. But if you really want to know who Scott Morris is, guess who you need to talk to? You need to talk to my wife and my kids and my close friends. Can I get a begrudging amen? I don't know. Family knows me best, yeah. That's exactly the way it is. Our families, our close friends, they know exactly who we are. So as you look at I'm going to go real quick, but, and, I, and I put all of these references in your notes so that you can look them up on your own. But these are, this is what some of Jesus' closest friends and some people that weren't even his friends had to say about him. Here we go. The first one is in Mark chapter 1. Mark declared Jesus, said that you are the Son of God. Peter declared Jesus of Nazareth both Lord and God in, in Acts chapter 2. Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or last week, being Saul at first, he persecuted Christians. This is where he ended up. In Romans 1, he said that the resurrection declared Jesus, declared him the Son of God with power, like with God's power. Like, oh, I wasn't for sure about that until Jesus raised from the dead. Now I'm pretty sure about that, right? The Hebrew writer declared that, Jesus was the exact representation of God. And here's one of my favorites. In Luke chapter 4, it's twice in there. The, the demons themselves, when Jesus went to cast them out, in verse 34, he said, Go away. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It, you're pretty big on the block when the demons know who you are, your name. And then in verse 40, it says, As they cast out demons, they would demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. You understand there's a, a bunch of correlations, a bunch of things that come together here as the testimony of the people that ran around with Jesus. A couple more. Peter called him the Messiah in Matthew 16. Here's one of my favorites. The Roman centurion in Matthew 27 said, surely he was the son of God. Nathaniel in John 1 said, the Rabbi, you are the son of God. And Martha, who saw her fair share of pain and discomfort in her life, things that would turn you against your faith. This is what Martha said. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. These are the people that saw what Jesus was like day to day. They saw the, the miracles that Jesus did in his life also. They saw 
Can you imagine this? They saw when he walked on water. There we go. They saw when he... That was the Lord doing that. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not. They saw when he calmed the storms. They saw when the lepers came to him and he just didn't... So they saw Jesus do these things. They saw Jesus cast out demons. They saw Jesus pray for the sick. They saw Jesus debate the religious leaders. On top of that, they saw him raise the dead. And, and the reason I say that is because after the testimony of the, the New Testament and the Old Testament, you get what a testament is, right? The testimony of hundreds of thousands of people for thousands of years. Then you have the people that hung out with Jesus. And here's what's great. If I wrote the Bible, I wouldn't put this part in there. Thomas was one of the disciples. I would have kicked Thomas out of the club, all right? Thomas waited way too long to become a believer. He was hanging out for the free fish and chips. You know, he was not in with the club. But Thomas always had a problem. But here's what I love about Thomas. I, I love Peter because he's rambunctious. He's in your face. I, I love that. But I also love Thomas because Thomas proved to be a thinker. Thomas just didn't eat what everybody was shoveling him. Can I get an amen, right? He was like, come on, I've, I've heard this before. I've heard con men, right? I've heard crazy people before. I want to see some proof in the pudding. And so even after the resurrection, there's some of the disciples that are hanging out in, in a, one of their houses hiding from the religious leaders because they're trying to find all of Jesus' disciples and kill them. And Thomas is still doubting. Well, if it was Jesus, wouldn't he have come back to life? And here comes Jesus in this scripture. He walks through the wall. He doesn't knock on the door. He doesn't ask if he can come in. He understands who's in the room and what they need. He walks through the wall, and this is what he says to Thomas. John 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? He held out his hands that had been nailed to the cross. He said, reach, reach out your hand and put it in my side. That's where they stabbed him, where it said the blood and water flowed with the spearhead. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, here for the first time ever from Thomas, my Lord and my God. You understand? I, here's what's great about that. I understand after reading this what Jesus is doing. Jesus understands that most of us have seen the con men. You know what I mean? We've seen the David Blaines. I don't watch him anymore. I'm tired of getting fooled. But we've seen people that have conned us in our faith. We've seen people that have said, this will happen and this will happen, and then it didn't happen, and then just write another book and said it's going to happen later, right? We've, we've seen that, so we're skeptical. And we've seen people that are crazy. They're well-intentional, but they're nuts, right? We've seen that in life. You're not shaking your head because you're sitting next to him, but we know who we're talking about here, right? That, that's, that's the question I want to ask you today. Like, So if we've talked about him being a con man, I don't think he's a con man. He, too much going on there for it to be just Jesus. I don't think he's crazy. He couldn't have put it all together the way he did and many, many other things. I do think he's the Christ. 
But what's your response to those three things? What's your response? If, if Jesus is a con man, what, what happens is this, and this is why he's patient with us. Because what happens is we get skeptical, right? We get skeptical of religion and faith and those things. That's, that's how I was raised. I would ask my dad about something spiritual, and he would say, you know those nutty church people, and give me some weird explanation for it. That's what I grew up with. And, and what that turns into, because of the con man and the skepticism, it turns into being cynical, not accepting anything by faith. It's got to be 100% proved. That's, that's never anything is 100%. Well, what if you believe that Jesus was crazy? And then what happens is we just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Everybody that believes in Jesus is a nut. Jesus and the Bible, everything's crazy. It's just all gone. I just wash it away from my life. Those are both easy responses. Those are very natural. That happens. It's happening to Thomas. But what's great is Jesus showed up with Thomas. He said, Thomas, what you need is to stop doubting and you need to believe. You've seen everything everybody else has seen. You've heard everything everybody else has heard. You need to put your faith in me. And Thomas did. So that, that's my question as a believer, as, as a person attending South Point today, whatever category you're in as a non-believer, as somebody that's skeptical or cynical today, maybe somebody that's just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. What if he's the Christ? What if he is who he says he is? What if the thousands of years of many authors across multiple countries that didn't know each other in different languages, what if all of that is legit? Then that calls for a response also. Not being cynical, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It calls for us to surrender to him, right? Is that just me? That, that's the bridge that I came to. That's the choice that I came to in my life. If he's not a con man and if he's not crazy, he may be the Christ. And as I examined it and looked at the evidence, I had to say, you know what? This calls for me to tell him, as I did March of 1993, sitting in a $500 vehicle. I made deals with Jesus for about two hours and then we whittled it down to just me surrendering. But it went something like, all right, Lord, I hear, I hear about it. I've heard about it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know one scripture. I don't know one verse. But I've heard about your mercy, that you love everybody. And that's what I want. I heard that you forgive people of their past and their sins and you give them a new start. I want that too. And I, I heard that you bring purpose into somebody's life. I'm right in the middle of college, man. Can you bring purpose into my life? I want that. And as I just kept going, I kept thinking of these things that I had heard. I, I want this and I want this. And at the end, I thought, all I have to give is me. I, I don't have any wealth, any riches. You could have the Jeep, but you'd give it back. <laughs> It calls for us to surrender to him. And this message today is for everybody in this room because I, I find over the years that many of us are committed at many different levels. Some that we've been exposed to the con man or the crazy and it's just turned us away. And I'm here to tell you, Thomas, Jesus still loves you. He knows right where you are. He knows that it's the gifts that he's given you, your intelligence, your skepticism. Those are gifts, man, to be able to prove things. That's from God. But he's also saying to that, it's, it's time. It's time to stop doubting and start believing. It's time to put your faith in me. And that, let's go from here now. What's amazing, Thomas leaves that little room 
And he goes off and for the first time in three years, Thomas begins to preach. He's not taking care of the food. He's not taking care of the, the, the finances. He's not taking care of where we're going and getting the boat and getting people lined up and telling people Jesus. He's not doing any of that. You know what he's doing? He's telling people who changed his life. He's sharing with what happened in his life. It's no longer what is happening in everybody else's life. It's what happened in my life. It's the greatest story ever told what's happened in your life. And I just want to encourage you today. I want to kick the door wide open. Wherever you're at, Jesus is saying, let's do this 100%. Let, let's, let's wash away the skepticism and the cynicalness and the craziness. And let's commit to the Christ and see what he can do in your life. Let's put him to the test and see if what he did in Scott's life and in Chad's life and in Skip's life and in Robert and Rhonda's life. And let's, let's see if he can do it in everybody's lives. Amen? Because I have not yet seen anybody that goes to Jesus and go, I believe and I want what you have for me. And they go, well, Jesus turned me away. This didn't feel like it was real. Every single person for the last 25 years said, there's something happened that I can't describe. Jesus forgave me of my sin. He gave me purpose in my life. And as I'm reading God's word, he is teaching me, this is me. And this is me. And this is me. Throughout his word. I want to encourage you today. I believe there are people in the room that maybe have attended South Point for a long time. And because of past experiences, just hasn't, haven't opened the door and said, Jesus, take all of me. Let's do that today. And there are people that maybe here for your first or second or third time, maybe you're here with a family member or a friend, and you're not even for sure if you believe it all. Isn't that great that Jesus didn't kick Thomas out? That he was patient with him for years. Came time and he said, Thomas, it's time now. Stop doubting, start believing. Let's put your faith in action. Surrender yourself to my will. Not my will, your will be done. Would you pray that with me today? Lord, we're so thankful for your word that it teaches us the truth. We're so thankful that we can look throughout history and see the way you've changed. We're so thankful that there are more, there's more evidence for you than any single living or person that lived ever for you throughout the world. God, today, I pray that your heart, as we've prayed all week, that your heart, your spirit, would touch our souls, would touch our spirit today. Draw us to you. Let us see truth and understanding that you are the truth, that you are the life, that you are the way. I pray that today, Lord, if there be anybody in this room that does not know you, that today would be the day that they stop doubting and they start believing. They put your faith in you. They would understand that you couldn't have been a con man, that you couldn't have been crazy, but that you could be the Christ. And they would spend the rest of their life following you and letting you grow them. Help them to understand as you did your disciples, your followers, and billions of people ever since. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being patient with us. We also thank you for asking us to stop doubting, asking us to believe, for challenging us. Thank you that's in your word. I pray from this day forward, you would help us to grow our faith in you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Can I get a big amen?